I guess you can all sit down. <laughs> all right, today's scripture is from the book 1 John, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you. That first set of worship was awesome. <laughs> it's just, I was into that. Uh, I, my name is Brian, like you've heard already. Um, I have been with uh, the Road Church Network, and I'm humming. Been with the Road Church Network uh, for a year, uh, going back and forth between here and uh, Damascus Road in Marysville, leading the music and the youth program uh, that we have. Uh, just raising up uh, leaders in that for the youth, trying to get something established and going with that, and then also with music, just giving some guidance, some direction, bringing some new music, pulling some people in. Uh, but since September 1st, I have been here full-time. The elders graciously uh, said, you know what, we want you to fully invest in one place. Uh, and for my wife and I, that has just been the best thing ever, just to be able to focus our, our efforts and our love uh, in one place. So we're very thankful for that. Uh, my wife is Sarah. She's in the back there. Sarah, I just want you to just do it. Yeah, she hates me for making her do that. But <laughs> my wife's Sarah. We've got two little girls, Ruby and Elsa. They're crazy, crazy fun, crazy awesome, and just crazy. Uh, we love them. And then we got a boy on the way uh, coming in December. So we're really excited about that. Um, before I, we came to Damascus Road, Restoration Road, uh, I was at a church for five years. I was at a church for five years. I could just use my voice and talk loud. Uh, at a church for five years, um, working as the youth pastor and the music director. Uh, and before that, was doing construction and volunteering at the church I was at. It's a little, just a snapshot, just real quick, of uh, where we've been, where I've been in the last six years. But what I want to do and what I'm excited to do this morning is to share my testimony. But more than that, to be able to preach be able to share from God's Word, and I want to use, um, use that. I want to go in, right into the Word and set that up. Let that be the platform for which I share my testimony. So jumping right in, uh, from our text this morning, we have uh, 1 John, we're looking at verses 5 through 10, and uh, uh, the time in which John wrote these letters, the Christian faith was about uh, 50 to 60 years old at the time. So it's very fresh. John is old, though. John is older. And so he is, uh, or the church that is, the Christian groups at that time, had this immense pressure on them to take on these uh, outside philosophies and ideas and incorporate them into the faith. And so John, he's writing to remind the church what we believe. This is what we believe. And so um, it's... Customary to understand 1 John as a response to a rise in what uh, an early form of Gnosticism. 
And this was a religious mysticism that stole Christian concepts and used it to form an understanding of salvation based on knowledge. So according to this view, redemption is through affirming the divine light already in the human soul, not through repentance of sin and faith in Christ's death and resurrection to bring, to bring about spiritual rebirth. So this teaching leads to this understanding that um, uh, through knowledge, one's pure uh, spirit cannot be tainted by the body. So whatever you do with the body or to the body, whatever earthly sin is committed, it's okay, you can't taint your soul. So just do what you please. And so John, who was one of the twelve disciples, he opens his letter, I love this, by reminding his readers of this. And so, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which, we have, uh, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. John simply is saying, I'm, I was there. I saw Jesus. I mean, he's just, he's um, giving himself some uh, legitimacy here. Like, I'm not just some outsider talking about it. I was there. I saw him. I felt the scars of the resurrected Christ. I heard him preach. I saw him do miracles, healing people. So it's interesting because then he goes on to say, here it is. This is the message we have heard. So in all the time that I've spent with Jesus and, and all the things that he has shared, this is the message that he wants you to hear, that he proclaims and that we now proclaim to you. And it's in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. It's kind of an interesting statement. God is light. When I first came across that, I, I did find that kind of weird, because I'm, if you think like we're, we're you know, a couple thousand years uh, removed from the gospel, so we have this, the Bible, we have the whole story, the Old Testament, New Testament, you know what God was doing, what God did do through Christ, what God did after Christ. We know what the end is in Revelation. We know what the end of the story is. We know God is at work. And so for me, as I'm reading that God is light, I just think like, why didn't you say God is love? God is the way? God is, I mean, really, how would you, how would you describe that? Like God is, light doesn't come to mind when I think about that. So what does John mean? God is light. Have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to find something in the dark? Maybe your keys or your shoes, uh, the remote, your kids. You're just like, where, where, where are they? Where, where is it? And in the middle of that search, somebody turns the light on, and you realize you're nowhere near what you were looking for. Your keys are over there, shoes are over there, kids are hanging from the ceiling. You're just like... I would have never found what I was looking for if I didn't have the light, if somebody didn't turn the light on. And I believe it's the uh, same is true with God. God turns the light on for us. And uh, I mean, a common expression that we hear, uh, someone who comes to know the Lord, someone who steps into the faith is, I've seen the, the light. I woke up. That moment for me, uh, that came 
my sixth grade year, the first day of sixth grade. So leading up to this, um, I grew up in a non-Christian home. Uh, my parents, uh, they weren't against God. They just didn't see their need for him. And so because of that, they found themselves stumbling in the dark. And uh, because of their sin and the sins that were done against them, uh, they struggled with, um, with alcohol and uh, substance abuse. And uh, so that created a lot of tension in the, in the home. Uh, that created a lot of insecurity and anxiety and fear in me. And so we had just moved to the area my first day of sixth grade. Sixth grade, little Brian walking in, fearful, uh, anxious, really stumbling in the dark myself, trying to find an answer. It's like, what, what is truth? Um, and uh, so again, first day of school, I mean, <laughs> if you can picture it, I mean, I was only probably like that much, that much shorter. I like grew pretty much like sixth, seventh grade. I was like, oh, I'm going to be the tallest person ever, and then stopped growing. It was, <laughs> it was very heartbreaking. I come up here and look at this podium like, this is made for a Sam, not me. Like, I am a small man. Darn. But, so yeah, an awkward kid, you know, green sweatpants with a mustache. And, like, seriously, I, I started shaving in sixth grade. Um, so, new, no friends, not really a chance of making friends uh, at that point. And that first day, um, I remember I ate lunch alone. And I ate it really as fast as I could. And I, I leave the cafeteria, and as I'm, I'm leaving the cafeteria, going to this common area, uh, I bumped into a peer who, as I saw him, I recognized in his eyes the same fear. Uh, he, he didn't know anybody either. And uh, his name was Jeff, and Jeff was also new to the area. His dad had taken a call as a lead pastor to a church uh, in the area. And so we started talking and found out we had all the same classes. And so we're like, why don't we just be friends because we don't have friends? So it kind of started out that way. But by God's grace, uh, it became a, a brotherhood. I mean, I saw him yesterday. We were hung out with his family, um, still strong friends. And uh, God used Jeff uh, as a couple weeks went on and we became uh, closer and closer friends. He invited me to his youth group. And uh, kind of like uh, the interaction between Nathaniel and Philip in, in John chapter 1, when he came to me and said, hey, you know, why, don't you come to, why don't you come to church and check this out and, and hear about God? Um, not that I was against it, but I had a lot of questions. And so I was like, well, what is this? What is that? What is this? And, and, and again, like Philip, he simply said, well, why don't you just come and see? Just come and see. I'll be there. I'll hang out with you. Just come and see. So I was like, all right, that works. So I did. And uh, that night, the, the night I went, that first night, I heard the gospel just clearly presented, Jesus loves you, he died for you, he rose again, you are forgiven. And you have a Father in heaven who loves you. I was sold. I said, yes, I, that's it. I've been stumbling in the dark trying to find, find that. And it was uh, from that moment on... Um, Jesus has been taking me on an adventure I could have never planned for myself. Uh, through middle school and high school, I was pretty, uh, pretty involved in my church with youth group and then uh, going to church on Sunday mornings. Um, when I entered high school, God took away one of my joys at the time, which was playing baseball. I loved baseball. I was, I was like 
I'm going to be a baseball player. That is it. And uh, um, freshman year, made the high school team. Uh, I'm left-handed, so they're grooming me to be a pitcher. And, you know, I'm just like, oh, check it out. Like, I'm one of four who made it, you know? Like, just, you know, entering high school a little bit different than I entered middle school, you know? And uh, before uh, the season started, as we were practicing, I had an injury to my rotator cuff and was out for the whole season. Uh, even to the point where the coach talked to me about, uh, you know, there, there are other guys that were, I mean, right there with you. Maybe we should let one of them step in and try this year. And I was like, you know what? That's probably the best because I can't do anything. Uh, so I stepped out of that, was really bummed. Uh, but God took that and replaced it with another joy. And, and it, it's, he was pruning me, essentially. And he was giving me, giving me uh, fruit that would be eternal, that would last. And he gave me music. And uh, one of my mom's friends at the time, you know, obviously knew I was bummed out. And she's like, here's my guitar. Just take that. You just see what happens with that. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know? and, and it was weird. I just picked it up pretty quick. And because of that, like, I started playing at church, uh, youth group. They're like, we need, we need somebody to play. And my youth pastor's like, you should come play. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. And that first night, this no joke, first night, I show up. And he goes, all right, so Brian's doing worship. And he like <laughs> I'm like, I've barely like sang by myself. Like and I hated him for it in the moment, but now I, I'm so thankful he made me do that because again, it gave me a passion. It, it let me see that I, there's something there that I need to be doing. So uh, through my high school, uh, or through high school, I was involved in a church worship, uh, Sunday morning and youth group, but then also God started giving me a new song. I started writing music started playing that music uh, random places, wherever would, would have me. And uh, when I graduated high school, soon after that, I ended up getting uh, signed to a record label and recording an album and uh, starting the whole band thing, doing that. And it was really neat because uh, our ministry was that we would go and we'd partner with youth groups. And we'd come in and just be like, here's the package. You know, we'll come in, we'll play a concert, we'll also share a message. Like, we can preach if you want us to do that. Um, and we really just tried to work uh, the best that we could with uh, youth groups to just partner with that youth pastor, mean encouragement to him. Uh, but what was neat is through that, God kept doing all this crazy stuff and allowing us to play for all these different bands um, and opening for big bands and playing shows where, you know, we'd play like for like five people one week and then the next be like 500 and then it's like a couple thousand and we're like, what? This is crazy. And God kept doing like just really neat stuff like that. So I am thinking to myself, well, then this is it. Like, this is what God's going to, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be that Christian artist, you know, and, and it's going to be pretty sweet, and I get to tour and do the whole band thing. And um, Got married, and the first year of our marriage, I was pretty much gone all the time because I was always, I was either working construction, and when I wasn't doing that, I was gone playing a concert or gone for the whole weekend because we were doing, like, a whirlwind concert. And... Uh, God was, uh, he called me out of that. And there were two things, two reasons why. One, he exposed in me, let me see that if I continue in this, I'm not going to be the husband I need to be and the dad I need to be when the time comes. And that's not the path he had for me. He was using all those things to groom me for youth ministry, for music ministry, to be a part of the ministry at a church. And, uh, 
And it was crazy because we were in the, literally in the middle of recording the second album. Like I, I go in the studio and it's like, hey, you know, what do you think of this? I'm like, guys, we need to talk for a minute. And uh, this was like, this is what God's doing. And uh, what was really cool is there was a unity there. All the other guys go, yeah, we see that, and we also need to do the same thing. Like we also need to go and be better husbands and dads. And uh, and it was just really cool how God kept those relationships still going. One of my, uh, the bass player in the band at the time, he's at Damascus Road in Marysville as one of the leads there. Um, and then my good buddy Dave, he's just down the road actually, I'm trying to get him to come here. But he goes to another church, it's cool, it's all good. <laughs> he's a drummer, so that's why I'm just like, hey, I'm going to pick up some sticks and come hang with us. So, But all of this happened because God turned the light on in my life. All those things that I could never again have envisioned for myself, he turned the light on. And as I stumbled through the darkness, I was on a trajectory that was going to be uh, a lifetime of darkness and sorrow. And really, as I look back, I'm like, really, I would the sins of my father, the sins of his father, it would just would have continued. And living that party life and doing all that stuff, trying to find satisfaction in those things. Because that's what I had seen. So God turned the light on. So kind of stepping back into our text here. The question still remains, what did, what did John mean by God is light? And so an answer could be derived from verse 6 and 8. If we look at verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie, do not practice the truth. And in verse 8, he writes, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So we could look at John's foundational statement of God is light as God is truth. Pastor John Piper, he puts this well where he says, God is the source and the measure of of all that is true, nothing is truly understood unless it is in the light of God. Think about that for a minute. Nothing, nothing is truly understood unless it is in the light of God. So we cannot fully understand ourselves, our neighbors, our spouse, our kids. We cannot fully understand the purpose for work, for money, for food, material things, property. We cannot understand those fully unless it is viewed in the light of God. And as we begin to do that, as we view things in the light of God, we see that God gives us all those things so that we may use them in such a way that we can tell the world, that's not my treasure, Christ is. Those things are not my treasure, Christ is. And so we use them in such a way to display that, to show that. So with that said, though it is a fundamental truth that God... um, that God is true, uh, John didn't say that. John said God is light. So, I think if we take a closer look at verse 7, this kind of gives us a little direction as to what does he mean by that? What is he saying there? So verse 7, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of of Jesus His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So here we have the application and benefit of walking in the light. But as we look closer at the text, we find the root of John's statement, God is light. And it's found in that first half of verse 7, but if we walk in the light, 
If we walk in the light, as He is in the light, as He is in the light, do you see it? Do you see it? I want to take a look at another passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, looking at verse 4 and verse 6. Because I believe this helps us uh, to interpret and clarify this verse a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The God of this world, talking about Satan, has blinded the, mind of the, the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So God is light. means much more. It means much more than God simply is turning the light on. It means more than that. It means that God is the purest gift giver. The purest gift giver. He puts on display His greatest gift, and that greatest gift is Jesus. And in Jesus we find life, truth that is unshakable, the knowledge of Jesus as the magnificent source for satisfying our every need. He's the magnificent source for satisfying our every need. So then walking in the light means that we see Jesus as the only source. We see Him as the only source of satisfying and fulfilling our deepest longings and desires. There is nothing more significant or fulfilling than Jesus Himself. Please do not miss this. Because we do hear this often. And I think we go, I know that. But like we heard last week through Sam's sermon, have become so, become so familiar with Jesus that when we hear that preached, when we hear His name, we go, okay, I know that. I know Him, yep. Now what? John says if we miss that, if we don't stop there at Jesus and say that is enough, then we continue to walk in darkness. We continue to walk in darkness. But what is the darkness? What does that look like? John clarifies in uh, chapter 2 of 1 John, verse 15 and 16, he says, If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So walking in darkness is living a life that desires uh, all the attention, essentially. It's a life wanting uh, uh, your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important. And living that way is not, um, is not, what the, is not living with the Father. It actually isolates us from Him. Because, as John says, the world and its desires are fading away. All those things are fading away, but those who desire what God wants, they're set eternally. Those who desire what God wants are set eternally. What does God want? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It's an interesting passage here, um, but I think it clearly points 
to what God's heart is for us. Paul writes, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. God wants us to be so saturated and so in love with Jesus that like an aroma, it just permeates. It's who we are. It's how we act. It's how we're defined. It's not Brian Dixon who does this and this. It's, it's Brian Dixon who is living out a life in Christ where God is doing this and this and this. God desires that we would give off the aroma of Christ. Because Christ is the um, God's greatest um, accomplishment, His fulfillment. God looks at Christ and He sees us as clean, as pure, as holy because of what Christ has done for us. So our goal in life is to live in such a way that God is glorified, that God is the center, that we see Him as such, and that the aroma of Christ is um, all around us. Christ has fought the fight we could not win, and He triumphed over death, sin, and Satan, so that we may behold and see the glory of the Lord Jesus. And as we do, as we behold the glory of the Lord, we begin to have fellowship with one another. We no longer have the pressure at that point to be first or be seen, but you start noticing your neighbor. You start noticing their need. You start noticing them. I mean, you start noticing like, oh, yeah, how are you? What's going on? What do you need? How can I pray? How can we walk together? Because you know what? As much as as, uh, you need me, I need you. We need each other. God wants us to walk together to live this life together. And the only way we can do that is in the light of Christ. It's in the light of Christ. Because in the light of Christ, we see how God served sacrificially, wholeheartedly, and without agendas. There's no hidden agenda with God. There's no small print. There is only... uh, pure light, God has been completely transparent with us and calls us to be completely transparent with each other. Jesus said in John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And what does God want us to know? Verse 9 of 1 John Chapter 1. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I was looking at this. There was a word that stuck out to me and that I wanted us to focus on for just a moment. Um, And that word is all. All our sins are forgiven. All of them. Every sin. Christ has forgiven. Every single sin has been forgiven. Do you believe that? I think that could be a real struggle for us, is to really believe and walk in freedom 
that Christ has forgiven my sins. All of them. It's important to see our sin as, as something that separates us from God. It is a big deal, but there are times where I think we magnify it to the point we go, oh, well, it's too big, and you know, I don't know if God really is going to handle that. I don't know. It's too shameful. I don't think, I mean, my sin, it's too shameful. God can't, he can't work with that. And so it becomes this bigger than God. But God is way bigger, greater than sin. And he has shown himself to be through Jesus Christ. And again, just as God has been transparent with us, we need to be transparent with uh, ourselves, with each other, that we are sinners. We are sinners. Every single one of us is. We are. Uh, no, no one is without sin. And I think that's why John has a clarifying statement in verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Acknowledging that we are sinners is the catalyst that brings us face to face with our Savior that allows us to hear and see Him say, all your sins are forgiven. Confessing our sins is the means by which we come to the end of ourselves. Which really is what God is calling us. Is when are you going to be at the end of yourself? I find the times where God isn't speaking and I, where is God? Those moments, well, you know what? It's, it's because I'm trying to do everything myself. In my own power, I'm trying to figure that out or, or make that right or whatever it is. And I'm not trusting in my God and in my Savior. I'm not even, at the times, even going to Him, asking Him, what should I do, God? Take care of this. And so I fumble when God is calling me to confess, first off, you are a sinner and that you need me. And I will forgive you because I have in Christ. We cannot control, compete, or contain the light of Christ. We can only embrace it. We can only embrace it. Uh, last week, uh, Sam preached a message warning us against the dangers of apathy towards our relationship with Jesus. And there's a phrase that stuck out to me throughout the week that I kept kind of going over and over was, apathy unchecked leads to disbelief. So in our walk with the Lord, as we walk with Him and we have this apathetic view towards Christ and our relationship with Him, really that that leads us to a path of disbelief. That God, He really isn't big enough. He really isn't strong enough. He probably isn't listening to me anymore. And so i got to figure out my own way. So, I was thinking about, you know, as I share in my testimony, as I'm teaching from God's Word, I'm praying, but the ending is what I really struggled with this week. It's just like, how do you want me to like, kind of bring this, wrap this up, kind of bring it all back together, you know, like just do a summary of like, there's the bullet points, now do this. And uh, God really hit me with like, you know, yeah, fine, you can try that, but never end with try harder. Never end with uh, just do more gospel. Because that really doesn't change anything. It is the gospel itself, is Jesus who changes our hearts. So this morning, um, I want to share the gospel with you, and not in my own words, but simply reading it from uh, John's account. 
uh, from John's Gospel. And then ending with the promise in Romans 8. So, uh, as I do so, my prayer has been that we would be reminded of all Jesus has done for us and that we would fall in love with Him all over again. It would be fresh. It would be new. And with new sight, with fresh sight, we would behold Him as the magnificent source and center of our lives. So, I'm going to read through quite a few scriptures here. And as I do, um, I kind of went back and forth, like, which, you know, I'm just going to read it. What I would like to happen, what I'd like to invite you to do is to close your eyes and with your mind's eye, imagine being in the presence of God. Like Isaiah, as we get these images of him coming into the throne room of God. God has invited us in. He took away the veil. He's invited us in through Christ. So I invite you, as I'm reading through this and we're hearing the Gospel, that you would imagine that and imagine being able to be in the presence of God and just thankful and victoriously thank Him. We've won. We've won. Jesus Christ, again, fought the fight we could not win and He did it for us and gave us victory. We're victorious in Christ. So I invite you now, um, close your eyes, and uh, I'm going to read through these and I'll end with Romans 8. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not was anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is here, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Again, Jesus spoke to them and saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I have commanded you. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So they took Jesus... And went out bearing his own cross to a place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. 
A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now in the place where they had crucified, or he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish, Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was there with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, 
the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Father God, we come before You and we thank You, Lord. God, that in the darkness You are the light. Thank You, God, that You are everything that we need and more so, You are everything that we're longing for. And I thank and praise You, God, that even now as we walk with You, Lord, You satisfy our deepest longings and desires. Help us to see that You are the magnificent center of everything. And walking in the light is acknowledging that You are so. I pray, God, and thank You for your love for us, for the sacrifices that were made for us that we may be called righteous, that we may have life and have it to the full, that we now know that we are victorious in Christ. Thank you, God, that you will come again. And in victory, we will, we will celebrate. But until then, Lord God, we... Praise Your name. We celebrate that we have a Savior who is alive and active, working in and through us through His Holy Spirit. So we praise You. We come to the table and take communion to be reminded, Lord, of the sacrifice You made on our behalf. We give with our offering, Lord God, and we leave this place as ambassadors of Christ to glorify Your name and to love each other. Holy Spirit, help us Guide us, teach us, comfort us. God, thank you so much. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the time.